Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And welcome to 2021. <laughs> I am trusting that you are watching this, you know, at, maybe on New Year's Day, maybe sometime thereafter, but that the Lord has not come back yet. And uh, I'm making this video on New Year's Eve. Um, of course, I thought that I would have made many, many, many more videos this season, but this has been a very different season. Different, definitely different for me in the midst of moving and, uh, you know, having my entire life in suitcases for four months and all of that. But I know that I'm not alone in that. It's been a different season for everybody. So here's what I want to remind you of. We set out 70 days ago to try with all of our heart to end the year stronger than we started. And just know that every single year, whether it's 2020 or not, every single year that I've been doing this, when we get to the end, Satan is always saying, you didn't do enough, you stink, you know, you can't even do this, blah, 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 you didn't really make a difference. I know this because every other year before this, We've always gotten to the end of the year and I have wanted everybody to dress in white to sort of represent this new start, this new creation that they've become. And you know, people actually feel they're not worthy to wear white, that they haven't done enough, that they weren't good enough, that they didn't really do it and they shouldn't be wearing white and I feel like an imposter and I blah, 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 blah. Because Satan is always whispering in our ear that we're not enough. And at the exact same time, God is always going, good job, disciple. Yes, you did it. Come on. You are way better now than when you started. You didn't do everything that you expected, but I can tell you that you have done way more and, 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 and grown way more than you would have if you hadn't even tried. So good job, come on, you could do it. Let's keep going, let's start the new year. See, God is always trying to praise what we did well. He's always trying to pull us along. And Satan is always trying to you know, pull us back, pull us down. So I just want you to make the choice right now that no matter how this season went for you, um, that you're going to listen to God's voice and not Satan's. I do feel very confident that you are closer to God now than if you hadn't been doing anything. So please let down your own expectations of perfection and how it was going to be and how you were going to feel and what you were picturing and sort of embrace what God did do during this season. So the goal for all of us was to be able to experience God in a new way. We wanted to be able to feel God's presence. We wanted to be able to break out of that mindset that we need to ask, ask God to be with us, be with us, God. No, that we actually know he is with us and to pray the better prayer, sort of, of God, help me to become aware of your presence. That we know God is in all, uh, through all. Remember that scripture that in, in Colossians, I think it is, Colossians 1, where it says that, that Jesus is above all and in all and through all. So we know he is everywhere, that he is in us, that he's all around us and God's presence is surrounding us. But often we feel alone in that, even when it's not true, we're not alone. So we worked during this time to find different tools that we could employ 
to help us connect with that presence, to remember that he is there, to build our connection and our attachment with our adopted heavenly father. So hopefully you've been able to find something, whether Lexio Divina or maybe it's um, through breath prayer or centering prayer or um, let's see, what else did we do? I always name them every single time in, in the in lament, um, the interactive gratitude and the interactive lament, something, some sort of practice. Hopefully you have come out of this year with something that you can use. And perhaps those are things that you can pull out later. You can just watch the video on when you're thinking, what was that one thing that we talked about? You know, and then you can maybe pull out that video and sort of refresh your memory. But hopefully you have more tools in your tool belt for 2021 to help you connect when the waves of despair and pain and drama and everything, the fear overwhelms you when you give into anxiety again. And I'm speaking from experience from this morning. <laughs> I was totally filled with anxiety, with, um, you know, confusion and worry and doubt and not knowing what was God's voice and what is my own voice and what is Satan's voice and who's trying to get me to listen to them this morning. I had to pull out uh, Lexia Divina and so that I could just rest again in God and he pulls me back to trusting him. Hopefully you have found a few of those practices. So that was our goal for this year. And so I feel like we have achieved that goal. So you can feel really good about that. So how are we going to go into 2021? You know, um, we've come through a very difficult year and it, it, is, it is true. 2020 was quite something. And, um, you know, I've been really quite focused on what 2020 has revealed in me personally. In fact, I've been so caught up in it that um, lately people have been asking me, um, strangers, uh, people that I'm meeting for the first time, um, acquaintances that I'm making, have been asking me, what do you make out of the pandemic? And I was sort of taken aback at the question, but I realized, oh, they're asking me that because I'm a pastor to them. So they, like you meet new people when you move someplace. Somebody comes over to work on your water heater and another person is, is bringing you, you know, your mail and explaining something about the mailbox and another person is just your neighbor or whatever. And they're all asking you, why did you move here? You know, where, what do you do? And so I've had to, you know, I've been telling people, oh, I've come here to help lead a church in Orange County. I'm in the ministry. I'm a full-time minister, blah, blah, blah. So they, they, I think they want to know what does a minister think about pan the pandemic? And I think maybe they're expecting to hear, you know, I think it's God's wrath coming on all of the, you know, I don't know, the um, pagans of this nation, or maybe I think it's the end of the world that's coming, or, you know, I don't know what they're looking for. So at first when I was being asked that question, I was like, oh, dang, you know, what do I say? I'm not sure what I say about this. Um, you know, I've been so focused on just what everything has been doing in my own life. You know, I feel like the pandemic did expose me. It did, it, it, you know, it sort of revealed um, my thinking and some of my ways. I think I've mentioned before about how it just showed me like, you know, all this time I always felt like, well, if I had, you know, less in the schedule, less on the calendar, I'd be able to do this or that, or I'd be like this or that. And you know what? I've had less on the calendar, less on the schedule, and I'm still the same me, still trying, still praying, God, show me how to fit all the stuff in my life. So, 
you know, it has kind of revealed that to me. It's not external. It's kind of revealed that all these things I always point the finger out. Well, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that, you know, no, it's not, it's me. Um, and then when the social injustice erupted and, um, I was able to come to the, you know, like grips with some of the things that I was thinking about in the wrong way. I mean, honestly, I, what was revealed in me was that I had, there had been a lot of injustice right in front of my face all these years with all of my, you know, I'm very close to all races, obviously. I'm in the kingdom in LA. Um, the majority of my friends are people of color. And, um, you know, really the, the, uh, the white people like me are in the minority in my life. And so I think I had lived in sort of this bubble like, oh, the rest of the world is living like this. And I had to really just see right up in front of my face. Now, a lot of that is, has been right there. And you've just sort of been overlooking it as if like, no, that possibly can't be, that can't possibly be true, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, just thinking, oh, how could that be happening? I don't think that's really happening. So it's revealed in me just my, um, the bubble that I live in. I live in a, I live in a bubble after bubble after bubble. And if you want to hear more about that, I actually posted on Facebook in my, on my actual, uh, on Tracy Minor, not on Simply Holy. Um, I wrote a post at the beginning of that, just kind of going through all the, the ways that God was popping those bubbles from, I've got my Oklahoma bubble and my, you know, my, my white my white bubble and then I had my kingdom bubble and you know all of that so God has been revealing a lot about me during that so because I've been so focused on you know how I've been personally trying to take in all of 2020 um that I just you know it's not like I thought I gotta figure this out for everybody you know I don't have some sort of world view on it but I, you know, I started thinking, well, Tracy, what do you think? You know, I, I wasn't going to spout my answers, spew my answers at these people who don't even know me. And, you know, I can speak way too freely. So, um, but, you know, it caused me to really think. And I thought if I had to just kind of sum up, if I was preaching to the world about what I think this time is, I said, this is what I think this time is. I think that God is giving every single person a chance to seek him. I think he's put the whole world on time out and he said, stop doing stuff. Focus up. Look at me. I am your maker. I am your creator. That God has determined the exact times and places that we should live. The exact times. Why? So that men would seek him reach out to him and find him. I wish more people were looking to their maker. I wish more people were saying, holy cannoli, like God could wipe us all out right now. We are nothing. You know, we, we, we have nothing against this incredibly powerful agent of death in the world. And we need to sort of quake at that. We need to be looking to our maker going, God, help me to think like you. God is trying to get the whole world to focus up, to find him. And I wish that more people 
We're not fighting here on the horizontal level about fighting about everything, fighting about masks or no masks, church or no church. You know, um, is there really racism? Is there, there's no racism. You know, all of this fighting, this all horizontal. We need to take that horizontal energy and we need to point it up at God. Inside and outside of the kingdom, the world needs to be seeking their maker. And Christians need to be seeking their maker. We need to take this time to go, Oh my goodness, you know, honestly, Jesus could come back tomorrow. Am I right with God? I know that when we meet God, we're going to wish that we had been, we had become more like him, that we had let go of the petty arguments, that we had forgiven the people that had hurt us along the way, that we had purified our hearts from all this ungodliness, and we had been focused on what he was focused on, what he is focused on. I know that we're going to wish that we had grown closer to him so that our transition into heaven is, is not from you know, not not from our own ways and all of our selfish desires to meeting him. No, but it is an increasing measure, ever increasing glory until we meet him. I know that's what we're going to wish, that we had grown closer to him every single day that we are here. And to do that, we're going to have to focus up and stop focusing horizontally and wishing things were different, wishing things like we have to stop our minds from wishing away the pandemic and wishing away all the problems in the world. Oh, well, if we could just go back to meeting together as a body, stop looking at that as the answer. If we could just go back to the way things were, that we could reach out to people. Stop looking for the answers in the past and jump on to what God is doing. We are not victims of 2020. We are participants in whatever God is doing. Now, I say that with all caution and with all sympathy because, honestly, I know people in my own ministry who have lost both parents, both parents during this time, over these past few months, and experienced COVID themselves, have been positive themselves. I know people who have gone to work day after day and watched the the ICUs fill up and they have to start making decisions about who gets to go to the ICU, who gets a ventilator, who this stuff is really happening. I've watched people suffer through that. I have watched people suffer through loved ones um, die and not be able to get to them because they can't be in the same room with them <laughs> because of the virus. And I, these are tragic things, okay? And if that is you, I want you to know that my heart is full of grief for you. I, I truly, truly do connect with your pain. Um, having lost my parents in the past couple of years, um, past few years, and gone through many hardships along the way, I, I do not want to do anything to take away from the grief that you feel. So I want to say from me to you, I am... I am feeling your pain, and I am so sorry, and I know that the God of all comfort is going to comfort you in all those trials. And I also know at the same time that I am surrounded by people and am these people sometimes where I can just find myself complaining, just complaining, whining. And yes, I use that word whining, and I'm not trying to make, you know, I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I'm not trying to use an a... Um, a disparaging word, 
But we can find ourselves getting caught up in just complaining and whining about what God is doing. I don't know why God is doing this, but he has chosen to do it. And I think we are wasting a lot of time in the church focused on fighting, fighting each other and fighting really what God is doing instead of jumping on board and going, okay, there must be some new direction that he's taking us in. What is that new direction? Well, we're not able to meet together. Okay. We're not able to meet together. Just accept it. Quit fighting it. Quit fighting for your rights to meet together and start thinking, what can we do? What can we do? I know so many people have hated Zoom throughout the year. I understand it. I get it. I get it. We've hated Zoom. We've raged against it. But man, what a gift it is. What a gift it is. I really can feel close to the person on the other end of the screen. You know, I had a, um, I had my first spiritual direct, direct, um, first spiritual direction appointment yesterday. First official one. I have a spiritual director. And, you know, she's on the other end of a screen and here I am. But honestly, it was great. I learned so much. It opened up so much for me. Um, all the way during this time, we've had, you know, our family is in every kind of therapy that you can imagine. So we've had all of our therapists have been on the other end of the screen. But you know what? It has helped us. We have learned a lot. We have grown closer. It's, I need to be grateful for Zoom and not resent it. We need to really watch disciples, the complaining, the resentment, the bitterness, and the whining that's going on. We, we are not victims of this time. And I want to really be careful to separate out all of us who have gone through these really big, you know, serious tragedies. And I don't want to tell you to hurry up and get over it. I'm not saying that. So I understand when you lose someone, you need to grieve it. You need to mourn it. But I think some of us on the other end who've not lost a job, we've not lost our house, we've not, you know, lost a loved one. Uh, we've not really lost, some of us have actually gained during this time, and yet we can still find ourselves complaining and whining and feeling like victims because our glasses are fogging up because we have to wear a mask. And I, trust me, I understand, but we got to watch it, disciples. This is what God has planned. You know, nothing happens in this world without God screening it. Satan can't just do whatever he wants. He has to it has to get approval from God. So whatever's happening right here is because God has approved it. So we need to jump on board. We need to get on board with God's plan and say, God, how do, how do you want to use us today? What new direction are you taking us in? How can I make your work a joy, God? How can I partner with what you're doing? And really just quit complaining. So that is what I think about the pandemic. That is what I think about 2020. And uh, I am definitely not spewing that at everybody that's out there. But I wanted to say for you, for my listeners, for people who follow me, you get me, right? Okay. So I do think some of us need to stop complaining and get moving. And, you know, the whole world is hurting. And I know you're hurting, but I want you to think about how badly you would be hurting if you didn't have God. And all of us in the, need, in the kingdom need to take such a view of things. We need to remember we have all the answers to life. We have God. We have his kingdom. We have his Holy Spirit. We have forgiveness. We have grace. We have his mercy. We, I don't know how people are doing it. I don't know how people are doing it. And we need to look at the world with compassion in our eyes and go, I don't have time to be fighting with my... I don't have time to be fighting all of this. I don't have time to be worrying about... Every, every little thing. I need to be helping people who don't have what I have. 
and really take a view of that. So amen. Enough said about 2020. Big time. So that's the big macro. (laughs) I'm a macro outlook. But what is the micro outlook? And I think for each of us, we have to look back at our year and we have to go, God, what did you choose? What did you teach me this year? And, you know, I know it's painful and I know it's something that we don't want to do. But looking back over the year and really taking inventory is such an important thing. Now, every year when you go into a new year, I think this is important. And there are many different tools that you can use to do this. You know, I remember one year listening to John Eldridge and he took us all through this process of, you know, choosing a word for the year, getting alone with God, getting the time alone with God to really listen to his voice, blah, blah, blah. And there's different things that different people do. I'm going to take you through one practice that has helped me. I haven't done it every year, but I'm definitely doing it this year. Um, And I think it is a really good tool that you can use. But before we do that, I want to say it's not the only tool, and there's other ways to do this, and you need to listen to God and see where he's leading you. But it's all based on the same premise, and that is really found in Colossians 3, Colossians 3, the, the, where it says the rules for holy living, I think that's how it, it in the NIV, it starts it. I'm going to read it to us. So if you want to turn over to Colossians 3 and follow along, you can. Or if you just want to listen as you are doing something else, I totally get it. <laughs> okay, I listen to so much stuff while I'm, you know, um, while I'm doing my stuff. Okay, so Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, I want you to really think about how this is a big transition. Most of the world is looking horizontally. They're looking at all the things that have gone wrong and all, all of this stuff, right? What this person is saying in this post and all of this stuff and oh my gosh, the, the, the government and trust me, I get it. But all, you know, what's going on in Washington and what's going on in my neighborhood, you know, all this stuff. But it's all horizontal. We need to focus up and just think for these few minutes, hours, days, whatever it is that you can get with God and continually bring your focus up. So I'm going to I'm going to set my mind on the things above. I'm going to set my heart. I'm going to let God make my heart as his heart is in heaven. I'm going to make my mind think about the things that occupy his mind. I'm going to look at Jesus and remember uh, what he was engaged with. And I'm I'm going to focus on those things. It says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. And I just want to remind you that when you were baptized, you died. You said, Jesus is Lord. And when you came up out of that water, you were, you were no longer you. It's no more, what does Tracy want? It's what does Jesus want? What would Jesus do? And when God looks at us, he actually doesn't see how bad we are anymore. He doesn't see all these mistakes and all these, all this yucky stuff. He doesn't see all of our sins. He sees the beautiful creation that he started with, the original design, the person that he created. And he sees you behind Jesus because we are hidden in Christ. The blood of Christ 
is over us and it is purifying us from all unrighteousness, it says in 1 John 1. So we need to remember that Christ is our life. Christ is our life. It's not ours anymore. And we, that that's so awesome. Because on one hand, you're like, oh, I died. I don't want to die. No, you do want to die because Christ is so much better. Every time I die to myself, I feel so much better. When you die to yourself and you live for Christ, you are living in your original design, how God originally created you to be. And then when Christ appears again, you are going to appear in glory. I mean, it's it's just an amazing, amazing thought that God doesn't see us with all of our sins and our yuck. We are hidden behind Christ who took all of that away. It's such a cool thought. Okay, so let's uh, read on. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So let's, let's think about what it's saying. It's saying, therefore, okay, because of, because of the fact that you have died and that you're hidden in Christ, because we're going to set our minds on the things above, because we're going to be vertically focused and we're not going to be horizontally focused, we are going to, because of that, put to death your sinful nature, your earthly nature. So we are, it's telling us why we're doing all of these things. It says, put this earthly nature to to death. And if you're wondering what this earthly nature is, it is your sexual immorality, your impurity, your lust, your evil desires, and your greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Okay, now it's taking you through all of these sins, all these acts of the sinful nature, the fruits. I know you've read about them in Ephesians, I mean, sorry, in Galatians 5, 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. These are these obvious things. And I know many of us can remember back to our life before Christ when we were sleeping around. We were living with our boyfriend. We were into all kinds of things. We were into pornography, the lust. We were getting drunk. The, you know, the, all of this, all of this, the anger, the rage, all of that stuff that's listed in there. And we were worshiping idols, right? We were worshiping idols because we were greedy. <laughs> too much food, too much wine, too much prescription drugs, too much illegal, too too many illegal drugs, too much of everything, always grabbing, grabbing, grabbing for something that's going to satisfy this heart, but wasn't meant to fill it up. So you're always grabbing for more because you got a hole in your heart and only God can fill it up. So you remember that, right? Before you met Christ, you lived like that. It doesn't, it shouldn't take you too long to remember that. And he's saying, we've got to put that stuff to death. And you may say, I already did that. You know, I already cleaned up all that. You know, I already, I don't cuss and I don't, or whatever it is. I'm not sleeping around and I've been faithful. Blah, 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 blah. And we can get into that mindset where we've cleaned up so much that it's almost like we've cleaned up too much for our own good. Because we start to think we got this. Like we're doing pretty good. We're disciples. I've been a disciple for 20 years. I've been a disciple for 30 years. I've been doing this for a long time. I know what I'm doing. Well, let's read on here. It says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you're all good. 
right? That's what it says. But now you're all good. You got nothing. You got nothing more that you need to repent of because you took care of those big things. You know, now you just need to go study the Bible with other people and tell them to stop doing this and stop doing that. No, it doesn't say that, right? It says you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Okay, let's talk about what he just did. So now he goes, but yeah, I know you got rid of those big, those outwards, but what about these things that are in your heart? What about the anger? What about all the anger that you felt over this past year because of the pandemic, because of the mask, because of the fogged up glasses, because of everybody's home, because you have to school your kids while you're, you know, working a job at home. What about all that anger that's come up in you? What about that? What about rage? Per perhaps, you know, we have seen an, it's just, it's almost its own epidemic. The amount of, um, what's it called? Domestic abuse has so is soaring because people are home together all the time. And it has revealed a lot in our hearts because we were able to do a certain level of living together because we were able to get away from each other. But it's really revealed when we are triggered all the time, how are we responding? And I ask you that, disciple, how are you responding? How's your anger? How's your rage? How's your malice? How is that? How has it been? How is the gossip that goes on in your life? How has that been? You know, I've seen gossip completely destroy ministries, just completely destroy it, rip it apart because people are talking about other people. That's just really the truth. Slander. You know, we're all, we are all subject to um, the, the feelings of slander. You know, when you've been slandered, it don't feel good. <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. And as a leader, you got you to gotta be ready that there's going to be people that are slandering you and talking about you behind your back. But it doesn't feel good, right? So we can think, but what about me? Am I, am I talking about the ministry behind his back? Am I talking about the leadership? Like, has that word, the L word, come out of my mouth? Leadership? You know when you start saying, well, the leadership. Somehow you've removed yourself from that group, and you feel like something is their fault, right? That you're not included in that anymore. That somehow the body of Christ has been split up. It's that it's divided, and the head and the feet are not connected, and the, the hand is not connected. Um, somehow you're removing yourself. Like what? What has creeped crept in? You know, this is saying that you know. I know you've repented of these things, but now you must also rid yourself of these things. And this is really what the 70 days has been about. And this is what true Advent is about, is really recollecting, looking back and going, what has crept into my life? Maybe at one point I did repent of these things. Like it even says filthy language from your lips. You know, I've, I can remember when I first became a disciple and I stopped cussing, you know, and uh, that was quite something because I had the mouth of a sailor. But now all these years later, I still find myself like, there's times where I'm cussing in my head. Oh my gosh, wow. May the medit may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart bring you praise. Out of overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I gotta make sure that I'm not only not cussing out loud, but 
if I find myself cussing in my head, what is going on? Because that is not a pleasing meditation to God. So this is what this time is about, is admitting these things have crept into my life and I want to get rid of them. I want God to purify me of these things. First, I have to admit that they're there, that I don't got this, that I'm not done, but that I actually do have things that have crept in. You know, my resentment has really pulled me down and I, I've been rehearsing scenes from the past, uh, you know, things that have happened or maybe I'm nursing a grudge against somebody or I'm, you know, I haven't been able to let that go or I have been, you know, secretly eating or doing something else, turning to this vice, you know, I've started drinking more since the, the pandemic because I'm home and it's all this pressure and all this stuff and these vices have crept back into your life. They're idolatry. So things can creep back into our lives. So we take these times to clean them out. And that's what we're trying to do. We look back at 2020 and we think, what happened here and what has crept into my life? Okay, then let's read on. It says, um, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. And if you want to meditate on something, memorize that verse, that verse 10, and think about it every single day. Mull it over, mull it over, mull it over. Because what, I, what I'm getting out of this right now is that when we put on the new self, that new self is always being renewed. So it's kind of like how it's it, your computer is always, you know, re, you know, when you refresh it and you refresh it, our new self is always being renewed and it's in our knowledge, in the image of our creator. So we become more reflective of his image as we take in the truth about ourselves, as we become honest about ourselves, as we are careful to take off the old practices and put on the new, to take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clo- oh, I'm sorry, I skipped out. Ah, don't, don't, don't call me there. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It says here, there is no Gentile Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That's mind blowing. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, and as much as I want to go on, I'm going to stop right there. So he gives us this image of getting dressed and putting on new clothes. Now, I don't know if you guys have this in your family, but we have this thing that happens in our family with our kids as they were growing up, where... You know, one of them would need to go take a shower. And uh, so I said, oh, you know, they're filthy, dirty, whatever. You know, you need to go take a shower. So they go take a shower. And then they get out of the shower and they they put on their old dirty clothes. Maybe because they forgot to take new clothes in there. Maybe because they just don't really care. And so they put on all their dirty clothes after they're all clean and squeaky and nice and they smell good. And they put the smelly clothes. And I'll look at them. I, Wait, weren't you just wearing that? What? Oh, go take the 
those dirty clothes off and put on your clean clothes. And I was thinking about the other day that this is just like us spiritually. We have to be careful not to put back on our old dirty clothes, but to put on clean clothes. Okay, so we're trying to do this in the new year. And one of the tools that I use to do this is I graph my old year. Okay, so I'm going to try to explain this in a way that when you're, if you're listening to the podcast, you can follow also. So picture that you have a sheet of paper in front of you, or you have your journal laid out in front of you, you know, um, two pages blank in front of you. And across that, you're going to draw a line that's horizontal going across both pages or the whole of your page. If you just have one, you know, like notebook piece of paper, you can turn it sideways and then take it. And you're making a timeline that goes all the way across your paper. And then you're going to mark out the months of the year, January, February, March, April. And it's going to go along. You don't have to mark it out at first. I just mark it out as I go. But you're going to be graphing this year. So there's going to be room above your timeline and room below your timeline. And what you're going to do is you're going to get out your old journal from the year and you're going to go back and start reading through. And you take about a month at a time, like every day or every sitting. Maybe I'll do it two or three times a day for, you know, right now. But at each sitting, I just take one month and I just read back through my journal and actually You can think that's going to take forever. It really only takes me about 20 minutes to read back through a month of my journal. Um, Some of you are not journalers. Another way you can do this is you can actually just go back through all of your pictures for the year. If if you put them in, if you press the button where they're going to be in... um, order of what chronological order, you can kind of go back through your pictures and it'll remind you of what happened during that time. And you're always going to find like, really hard times, especially if it's in your journal, really hard times and really good times. The thing about pictures is we don't normally take pictures of the really hard times. We take pictures of the really good times, so that's good, but we don't really take pictures of the hard times. So a journal is a good reminder because I'm telling you, I went back and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that happened. Yeah, I forgot where I was last January. It was crazy. I just blocked it out. So you take, you, you find some significant events and you graph them. So if it's a negative feeling, you draw a line down from your timeline and then you just kind of write what it was like, oh, my child broke his arm or it could be anything. It can be anything that was traumatic or hard or depressing or any of the D's, you know, led you to despair and despondency and all that. You were disappointed. Um, and you go down and you, the length of the line going down is sort of the length of how bad it was for you. Maybe it was just a little bad. It was just this, or it was just, or maybe it was really bad, a terrible meeting that you had. Somebody said something that really hurt you, you know, whatever it is, but those things go down. And then on top you do the same thing. Like, oh yeah, I remember having this really fun meeting with all of my, you know, I, re- I, I put this on my line. I, oh, all of my new family group leaders, we all met at my house. It was super fun. And I, it was like a moment that I remember and it was really good. And then I have this really, really high, the highest mark in January is mothers in ministry. I just thought it was like out of this world. Amazing. So, um, that goes all the way up to the top of my page and that's my really big. So I have about two or three that go down and, you know, a couple that go up and then, and then I mark that's January. And then I mark the next one is February. Read back through that journal. I mean that, that month and do the same thing. And I just graph it and I go up and I go down and, you know, some months there's a lot of down, some months there's equal up and down, some months there's a lot of up. 
But actually, it's going to be very, very instructive to you because what happens is God is able somehow to help you think in bigger pictures. You know, we're not good at that, right? I mean, we're good at just looking at today and, and you know, how we can get very myopic and we can get very focused on the now and, and, and we can't even see. It's kind of like you can't tell that you've lost weight, but people around you can tell. You know, we're kind of like that because we're too used to our, ourselves. So when you map out the whole year, it will help you to kind of see from a different vantage point. You know, I was very surprised by some of the stuff. I had forgotten that last year, the actual start of that year was actually the hardest time of my year. I didn't know that, um, but it really was the hardest time of my year. And then actually it got better and, you know, it kind of goes up and down. But it's going to give you some insight as to how God is looking at things and how, um, and, and it's going to remind you of things that he wants to remind you of. And I think that this is very important because we're trying to strain out the year. Now, those of you that cook and you make, you know, if you make broth or let's just picture, you know, so like you have, um, you know, you've boiled this chicken or whatever, or all of your vegetables in a pot and then, you know, you've let it sit there for a long time and it gets all the good flavorings and all of it. Then you have to pour it through a strainer. And so you can get rid of the old, you know, strung out vegetables. But all you have is this really beautiful broth. And then you can use it for all of your good cooking this year. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to strain out the things that we don't want to take with us. But we want to get the beautiful lessons out of it. We want to get all of those lessons, that pure broth of God, you know, um, the living broth of God. And we want to take that with us into 2021 to help us. And, you know, this really is what God has, he has called his people to do over and over. He is a God of remembrance. He does call us to remember because lots of times you're going to see how God showed up for you. And, you know, that is his thought behind Passover is remember how I brought you out of Egypt, right? That's why he wants them to do that every year. And so when we remember how God rescued us from certain things, it grows our attachment to him. Remember when someone is suffering from attachment disorder, the caretaker, the new person, the person that is trying to help them overcome that has to have repetition. Repetition of connection is what's going to help them to um, feel to, to overcome that disorder, they're going to feel attached to the new caregiver. So what you're trying to do is they go through something hard, you hold them, you are going through it with them. They learn, when I go through hard things, this person helps me. I went through another hard thing. And every single time it reinforces their attachment with you. And that's what we're trying to build with our Heavenly Father is that attachment and seeing, oh, he did show up. He did show up. Because some of you are thinking right now, it's all bad. Actually, it wasn't all bad because you're still here. And you're listening to this video. And that means that God brought you through something. How did he do that? When you read your journal, you'll remember how he did that. Oh, yeah, I was studying those Psalms. Oh, yeah, I read that book. Oh, yeah, he pulled me through. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. It will grow your attachment to your Heavenly Father. So you can read back through all of that and, and glean something out of it through remembrance. And then also, I want you to ask yourself better questions. Okay, so there's a lot of questions that we can ask. And and what happens is sometimes we ask some pretty good questions. Like we'll say, what went wrong here? Because the truth is when, you know, when we go through hard times, sometimes it's because somebody did something wrong. Somebody hurt us, sinned against us, it, something was mishandled. It's the truth. These things are not, they don't always go right. But what Satan wants to do is he wants us to fixate on what went wrong, 
who was responsible for that? And how can we make sure that never happens again? <laughs> you know, and I'm very much like that, okay? Because I'm a fixer and I want to fix everything, you know, fix every situation. But, you know, and that that is that is Satan wanting us to fixate on that. It's, it's an okay question because maybe, you know, we do need to learn things about how things shouldn't be and we need to change things about how we interact with each other and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's just not the best question. You know, we can sometimes even when I'm helping someone and I totally believe in discipleship, I'm a complete believer in the scriptures that say we are competent to instruct one another. So don't get me wrong. I love helping each other, counseling each other, caring for each other, discipling each other, whatever you want to call it. And the one another passages. But I think something I can get into that is not helpful is I can picture myself as I'm fixing something for this person. And because I'm a fix it person, like what, what, what's the problem? Let me fix it. I'll give you a formula. You go do this. You know, it's almost like, you know, three Hail Marys and call me, you know, I, I can try to give, I want, I want answers so bad for people. I don't like to see people hurting and I don't like to see people going through hard things. So I want to give them some answers that they can, you know, even if it's the, the truth, you don't get, I don't know that it's going to set you free, you know, <laughs> and I want to fix something. But I don't think that, that God's goal in everything is not just to fix us. Our goal is not just to fix the environment and fix the things around us and, and come up with this, you know, fix this world and fix this. People are not problems to be fixed. But it is to find God in the midst of our problems. We're trying to help the other person find God in the midst of what they're going through. That is a better description of what a discipleship group, I think, should be. A D group, we've always called it a discipleship group. I started calling it an identity group, and I I got that from Rare Leadership, for those of you that have read that book. But it's because I want to help people around me to remember who they are, where they, what their identity truly is. I'm there to help them remember what their true identity is as a child of God. And I want to help them identify where God is in the struggle. I want to lead them to God, not to me, not to solutions, not to fix-its, not to answers like that, but to God. So I think a better question to ask ourselves as we go through is, Where do I see God in this? Where did God show up for me in this? Where is God in my current situation? This is what my, this is what spiritual direction helps me to do is to find God in my current situation. Where do I even picture him? Is he even there? Is he in it? Because, you know, Satan wants us to identify who was there and who we can blame or how we messed up and how bad we are. But God is calling us to find him in the midst of that. So where is, where was God during that time? And where is God in that? Helping, helping myself to identify where God, where do I picture God in this season, in this scenario? And then what is the invitation from God, the lesson? What is God inviting me to learn from that? What can I glean out of that that I can take in to 2021 and employ? And actually write those lessons down. Because when you write a lesson down, you can always go back and read it. And you'll have to. Because actually, I learned a lesson and it's like really profound. In three months, I've forgotten it. (laughs) So I want to go back. I want to be able to write down the lessons that you learned. And one of the tricks that I found is after I do this, process of graphing my whole year and writing down the lessons, I can actually, I can actually put a copy of that 
into my Christmas decorations and put it on the top of that and remind myself at the end of all the lessons that I had taken out of that previous year. So it helps me to go back to that because I'm going to be doing the same process for that year. So it's just a really helpful thing to be able to write down all those lessons. So anyways, I'm hoping that all of this is going to help you to be able to um, glean Put on your new clothes. That's what I want you to do. I want you to put on new clothes. I don't want us to put on the dirty old clothes, and I know you don't want to either. You want to have fresh clothes, fresh scents, fresh everything for a fresh new year, and I hope this helps you. I also hope that over some, um, any of the lessons that we've done this year, that you've been able to hold on to one lesson that will help you in this connection that you need with God in, in 2021. So in closing, I just want to say thank you so much for going on this journey with me this year. I know it was an unusual year and um, I really didn't do that much recording or anything. I, I don't think I only hit about half of the countdown days as well, but it actually has been a wonderful way to go through this very troubling time. I feel like the 70 days for me has been very centering. It has kept me, kept me on track when at times I was, you know, I felt like I was I might just float away. So thank you for going on that journey with me. As far as what's coming in the new year, um, I am hoping, and this is just a hope, okay? So you can't hold me to it. (laughs) You cannot hold me to it. But I am hoping that this is finally going to be the year where I start to celebrate the seasons of God. So if that is true, what that means is that somewhere around Lent and Passover, I will be able to do another series about walking in the Spirit and celebrating that time. And then in the fall, I want to be able to do a series that follows the High Holy Days, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles. I want to be doing something during that time. And then all I'm going to do for the end of the year is Advent. I'm not going to be doing the 70 days. So this would be the last 70-day journey that you would ever take with me. Okay, that's my hope. That's my dream. I'm not making any promises, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. But if you don't hear from me for a while, at least know that you can count on seeing me at the next season because I'm all about celebrating the seasons of God. So I will just close this whole year 2020 by saying this. God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's a process. Let God do his work. I love you guys, and I'll see you next season.